0: Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast, and this is the final episode for 2022. Can you believe this? We are doing a best of episode with three of your favorite episodes for the year. This was an amazing, amazing year for us as we hit many milestones, 21,000 downloads, and we landed on the top 100 Apple Podcast ranking for entrepreneurs. And we could not have done it without you, the amazing listeners. So thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening every week to the podcast. And today we're going to be revisiting three topics that resonated with you the most over this past year, and that is stories, marketing, and the power of masterminds. So settle in and let's get started. We discussed how stories drive powerful connections between people and how we can use these to engage customers and build trust. So let's dive in with Kyle Gray. I want to welcome today a a fantastic person that I've been able to get to know over the last, I'd say a little over a year since uh, since we got together uh, in... God, uh, where was it? Louisiana in uh, New Orleans.
1: New and, Orleans, yes. Yeah.
0: So I want to welcome uh, Kyle Gray to the podcast. Uh, fantastic person, and I've got to sit back and kind of watch some of your stuff over the past uh, year, year and a half since we uh, since we met, and the stuff that you do really, really fascinates me. Primarily because I I think I'm so bad at it. This is this is probably one of the areas that I need more help in than anything. And it's something that I never even, when I first started getting into entrepreneurship, even if you're, God, even if you're in a corporate America, you're still selling, you're still selling yourself, you're still doing things. And not being able to do stories, tell stories about what I'm doing, you know, especially in entrepreneurship, sell, telling the story of, of me and telling the story of, of the product. I was always the person that was just, I'm a computer nerd. It was always data. So if I went and did a talk or I went to sell with somebody, it was always just the data. Here's the data. Here's the data. Here's the data. Here's the data. And it does not work. <laughs> you, you know, one, one of the things I've learned over the past couple of years is you have to do everything with story. We we live and thrive on story. And that's probably one of my biggest fallbacks is I've, and I, t- I have, you know, mentors that I work with and they always tell me, you've got to tell, you've got to put that into story. And tell people about yourself. Put your soul into it. Put yourself into that story, uh, or else it's not going to sell.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor. And what you what you've just expressed is totally is totally normal, and in fact, um, is somewhat common to see as experts and leaders progress in their career as they become more successful this problem actually grows. There's like a a reverse correlation where telling your story can become harder. And one of the reasons that is, is you start to gather a lot of more experience, a lot more ideas, a lot more potential stories. And there become so many options and so many things to talk about that it becomes really difficult to decide which one you actually are going to talk about. Um, or to, you you usually want to like, you know, express three things at the same time, and it ends up kind of like forming this traffic jam in your brain, trying to get from your brain to your mouth, and, and then, you know, you end up going in every kind of direction. And I also feel for you in the sense that uh, I I started on this journey as a copywriter, as a content marketer, all about very data-driven, very online, very bottom line oriented. Um, and, and I think we, we really fixate that on that a lot as entrepreneurs. Um, but, and so we discount the value of a story because it's not, you know, bottom line directly pointing towards the results or something like that. And so we start to, uh, yeah, we it's it becomes difficult for us to really see the value and the purpose in the stories. And uh, also, what happens is, you know, when you don't know how to tell a story, you end up kind of uh, rambling a little bit here and there. And uh, you know, in the case where you have a possible ideal client in front of you, and you don't know how to tell a story, but you're trying to tell a story, do you start to see them like you're 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 in your story and you you feel like what you're saying is exciting and then you can tell across the way the other person is starting to like roll their eyes or you know you're like you can tell you're starting to lose them and so usually what people do is they double down and speak twice as fast and try to add in more details and they just end up like digging themselves in a deeper hole and so the good news for all of this is that very simple frameworks
1: exist
2: to make telling stories a lot more easier, a lot more fun, and a lot more valuable for you. And these are, these are the ways that I work with people. I, I apply these frameworks and I listen very carefully and help people formulate the stories and the words and the descriptions of what they do in, in the way that they've always wanted to and put them into these simple frameworks. And by working with me once or a couple of times, they not only get a good script to work with for a a keynote speech or presentation, but they also can reuse these frameworks over and over again and start to apply them in many different areas of their business. So it's not just about finding one perfect story that's going to find all of your, or fix all of your problems. It's about learning how to tell stories in a consistent, reliable way.
0: And so talking with mentors and talking with, you know, the people who, you know, copywriters and and other people that are in some of my mastermind groups, how important, I never realized it, but how important are the story parts of what we do, whether we're selling or we're just communicating with other people?
2: Yeah, um so the long answer to this is that, um, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, there's at least 10,000 other people who are offering the same thing you're offering, and they have better case studies, They do it cheaper. They do they they have one advantage or another over you. And there's all, all the information out there already exists. And so, what a customer needs, we, uh, customers are aware of this, and they, you know, they're they're having a hard time like telling the difference between you and the sea of other people as well. And what a story does, at least there's there's many different kinds of stories, but the specific story that we would use to solve this problem would do is create a human connection because knowledge is common and almost unlimited these days. You can get any kind of knowledge you want. No matter what you've got to teach, it's Google searchable. But wisdom and insight is not. And wisdom and insight is something a little bit deeper than knowledge. It's something that we can, uh, it's it's filtering the knowledge to provide the very best of, of what that is. And that comes from somebody who knows us And understands us. And so what we want to do in our stories is is show people that we understand them. And I think this is one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make um, in the expert space is they try very early and very fast to get the audience to understand them. They use their expert language around whatever tools and techniques they use and start teaching that right away instead of really showing the audience, hey, I understand you and care about you. And so that's what a real good story does. And if you do not establish that foundation of trust when you're speaking with your clients, then it they... They don't have the context to listen to you. This is like the first sale in that first five minutes of when you start to speak and you share your story. They are deciding whether or not they want to invest the next 40 minutes into listening to the rest of what you have to say, or if they're going to be checking their emails on their phone as you're speaking.
0: Yeah. Now, you know, you had mentioned that you kind of got into this uh, early on being a copywriter and doing copyright for, for things, which is basically writing, you know, writing you know, stuff for for people. I didn't know what copywriting was for a long time. I was like, what? What's copyright? Yeah. So I didn't know what it was. But so I would assume that you have to also put your story into your copy, not just when we're out talking with people and we're we're you know conversing with people uh, f- on a vocal level, but I imagine from your website to your uh, any things that you have out anything that you have out there in the public, your you know your website, your landing pages, your you know all these different things that we would have copy on, uh, that it's just as important to have these stories tied into to that content as well
2: yeah, and that's one of the things that I love about the work that I do is I feel it's so very foundational to what uh, what happens in all of your marketing processes. And so we start with creating a keynote speech, a keynote presentation that you can use in many different situations, and you can adapt those stories into your copywriting your branding your email marketing and there there are definitely like you know there's times and there's places for it but really what a good story framework does is it shows us how it like presents a problem describes the process for for how to solve the problem, and then shows us what the world is like beyond that problem. It's a transformative process. And we want to walk people through that process in as easy a way as possible in our stories. And so by, yeah, creating and understanding the bigger stories that you would use in a presentation or just fundamentally in your business, it can inform all these other areas of of copywriting and email marketing. And yeah, there, there's definitely a place for stories in this as well. It will make everything else easier. And I think that actually having these stories and understanding where you are is like something that's so fundamental to things like branding and a lot of people i think just don't understand branding they're like oh man what colors should i choose for my logo (laughs) and and it's not really that important you know when it but it's like you know you saw something happen to your father you know that that was imprinted on you from a young age and now you want to make sure that you know you you want to help other people become financially successful because of what you the mistake that you saw your father make or something this could be something you know that sticks with you much longer and creates a context for trust and connection way better than you know do i use the indigo blue or the ocean blue for my logo <laughs>
0: Next up, we have a great episode and we discuss the importance of mastermind groups. And really it is one of our most important tools that we have as entrepreneurs. So let's listen into this solo episode on what a mastermind is and how we can build one ourselves. A few weeks ago, Warren Buffett tweeted out a tweet. Uh, It was really about a mastermind group and it made me want to really dig into this uh, for a podcast show because to me it is the most important tool that we can use to be successful in whatever it is that we want to be successful in and here's the tweet he put out surround yourself with people that push you to do and be better no drama or negativity just higher goals and higher motivation good times and positive energy no jealousy or hate simply bringing out the absolute best in each other and that is such a fantastic quote. And that is exactly what, uh, you know, the essence behind a mastermind is. So let's get into this. So what exactly is a mastermind group? And in the past few years, you know, I have seen a ton of people and companies calling their courses, their webinars or workshops, you know, they've, they've been calling these things a mastermind and they really are not a mastermind. A mastermind group is simply two or more like-minded individuals with goals and aspirations meeting regularly to share information share ideas and share resources for mutual success for everybody in the group and let me tell you the concept of surrounding ourselves with successful thinking big people is as old as history of man you know in ancient greece uh, the likes of uh, plato aristotle and socrates all surrounded themselves with those who would challenge their own thinking and expand their arsenal of possibilities socrates is well known for his belief that all growth takes place through discourse the process of discussion and high achievers throughout history have shared insights in these small groups that foster discourse and open the doors to really even greater success for themselves I think one of the best descriptions was from Napoleon Hill and his concept of the mastermind alliance that he first introduced in uh, one of his books in the 1920s, The Law of Success, and then expanded upon it uh, in the 1930s with Think and Grow Rich. And while Napoleon Hill called this a mastermind alliance, it is the same thing as the modern term of a mastermind group. And it's the one concept, the one tool that most people reference when they credit a single thing helping them to become successful. The single thing, if they could have one tool, a mastermind group would be it. In a true mastermind group, you get a combination of the brainstorming, of mentoring, peer accountability, encouragement, and access. To me, you get access to infinite intelligence through that you know, in a group setting to help you develop your business and your personal skills. The mastermind principle is based on the idea that a rising tide lifts all boats. This means that when you surround yourself with successful people, you will become successful. This is because you are constantly exposed to new ideas, new strategies, and you are held accountable for your actions. I have been a member of several mastermind groups over the past 20 years, even before I knew what a, you know, what a true mastermind was. And I have seen firsthand how powerful this tool can be. In a mastermind group, I have received access to expert advice encouragement, accountability, and more importantly, ideas from what I call infinite intelligence that not a single person in the group could have come with. But together, we were able to come up with some fantastic ideas that have pushed everybody further uh, to their goals. This is why I believe that every entrepreneur should be within at least one mastermind group. Working with people, I noticed that many people struggle to develop an idea, start a company, or simply grow as an individual without taking advantage of this principle. I have always been interested in the notion of compounding energy, the phenomenon in which the whole is greater than the sum of the two parts. You know, it's one plus one equals three. And, you know, as an example, have you ever heard of a draft horse? A draft horse is usually a big, heavy horse used for farm work, and is generally uh, configured by two horses hitched to a plow. You've seen, you know, these horses plow before. Each draft horse can pull about eight thousand pounds by itself. So one would logically think that two draft horses—I don't know—I'm not a math genius, but I would say about sixteen thousand pounds. But the truth is, together they can pull about twenty-five thousand pounds, and with just a little bit of training. They can get to nearly 32,000 pounds and that's twice what we could mathematically you know, expect. But that's the incredible power of the mastermind principle. It's the unique combination of power that comes from working together and from the spiritual power of the universe that is added to the process, which takes it from 16,000 pounds to double that of 32,000 pounds. I don't know anyone who has become extraordinarily successful in any area of life who has not utilized the principle of the mastermind group, whether they consciously know it or not. At this point, I can't imagine spending even one month without access to one of my mastermind groups. And I want to encourage you to gather together in a structured, repeatable environment for the success of everybody in the group joining a mastermind group can provide you with the following benefits so here when you join a mastermind group here's here's what you're going to get here's the benefits of joining a mastermind group and there are many groups that we join that in essence are really forms of a mastermind group back in 2008 i started getting into shape and started running and i ended up joining a run club you know, and the benefits of a run club uh, group are many, but first, it provides camaraderie and support. You know, everyone in the group knows what it's like to struggle, knows what it's like to, you know, hit the wall when running, and they can offer words, and they, they do, they offer words of encouragement when, when it's needed. And second, a run club group provides accountability. You know, if you know you're going to have to report back to your friends each week about how many miles you ran, you're more likely to stick to your running routine. You know, and actually, we didn't even have to report back. All of our workouts were posted online in, in a software called Strava. And I remember being on like mile 15 of a long run thinking, I am not going to make it. But if I don't, everybody's going to know. And I can tell you 100%, I would have quit some of those runs if I had not had that accountability in place. And finally, a run club group can help you improve your running skills by sharing tips, advice. You know, members of a run club group can help each other achieve their running goals. A run club is just a vertical mastermind group. It's a very niche mastermind group. And you may have heard of groups like Alcoholics Anonymous or Weight Watchers that demonstrate the power of collective accountability and really seek to create communities around people's dreams and goals. You also get personal accountability. You know, this is one of the most important benefits of a mastermind group. In a mastermind group, you are held accountable for your actions by your peers. This can help ensure that you stay on track and achieve your goals, just like the run club. When I tell my group my goals for the week, a month or a quarter when we're in our mastermind groups, I have personal accountability to hold up and it raises the bar on what is expected of me. If I miss one of my goals that I said I was going to do, that I said was important for moving me closer to my dreams, my group will question me and hold me accountable to myself. Another huge, huge benefit of a mastermind group is diversity of thought. The benefit of having a diversity of thought in a mastermind group is that you are able to get more ideas. When you have a variety of people in a group, you're able to get different ideas on how to solve problems, how to achieve goals and the group can brainstorm ideas and strategies to help you overcome any challenges that you are facing. Additionally, having different backgrounds in a group can help you learn new things and grow. You get unbelievable encouragement. You are surrounded by others who are striving for success and who will encourage you to achieve your goals. Remember what Warren Buffett said, no drama or negativity, just higher goals and higher motivation. This environment is conducive of achieving success and the support system in a mastermind group can provide you with the encouragement you need to keep pushing forward. And then there's relationships. And this is one of the most important benefits of a mastermind group is the relationship you build with others in the group and how they know someone who knows someone. I think of it like, uh, remember that game, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? It's a concept which says that Any two people on earth are only six or fewer acquaintances away. Almost every person I interact with personally and professionally have been the result of a mastermind group that I've been in. How do I find a mastermind group to join? That's one of the questions I always get is, well, how do I find one? And there's a number of ways to find a mastermind group to join. Uh, You can search for one online. You can look for one in your local community. There are likely a number of groups available in your area and it's important to find one that fits your needs. And in the last few years, you know, obviously online masterminds through, you know, software like Zoom and stuff have enabled tremendous possibilities for us to find the absolute right tribe for us to be in and the best mastermind for us to be in. When looking for a mastermind group, be sure to consider the following factors: the size of the group. I recommend anywhere between 6 and 12 people in your mastermind group. The most that I find uh, is like eight to 10 is the ideal number because it gives people enough people to have great ideas, but not so many people that you don't get to express your ideas and ask your question. And last up, we talked to my friend, Dwayne Zingali on marketing tactics and and really what marketing is. It's it's building a relationship. It is not making a sale. So let's listen in with Dwayne Zingali. I want you to. Really welcome in Dwayne Zingali to, to the show. He is sometimes you kind of irritate me and piss me off because you're so likable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm not so likable. <laughs> sometimes I am. I, I have my moments, but you are so damn likable. And I'm telling you, everyone is heard, you know, the saying or the philosophy that you know marketing is not about getting a sale, it's about building a relationship. And I'm telling you. There is nobody that I've met, that I've talked to, that really embodies that philosophy more than you. So, Dwayne, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us here today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's a hell of a compliment to to show up and hopefully fulfill. Um, Sometimes I like to say I'm so dang likable because I learned to live slightly blind, without ears, and I hear things wrong. I mean... I actually love podcasting because it's direct into my hearing aid because in life I say the dumbest things. So <laughs> n- maybe it's just the difference is, is I show up dense enough to just be uh, aloof and likable. But uh, no, I seriously, that's uh, that's a hell of a compliment. So I hope I can live up to it.
0: Now, I can tell you this. Now, I remember our time earlier this year in Nashville. I, I-, I remember quite a bit from the night. But what I remember most is me and you out on the streets in Nashville, and you allowing me to get a damn street hot dog <laughs> at 2 a.m. <laughs> you know, I, I woke up the next morning and I had mustard on my forehead and mustard on my mouth. I <laughs> that, that was a <laughs> that, that was a fun time. So uh,
1: but- yeah, yeah, it was uh, probably should have told you not to do it, but uh, <laughs> you know, I was craving some food at that moment too, and I, I probably. Uh, Probably should have had one because uh, I needed some food in my belly.
0: Yes. Well, it was. Uh, I'll tell you that was a uh, that was a fun time, uh, great, uh, fantastic meeting you and, and meeting you in person. Now, what, you are you are really a you do a lot of things, but you primarily do marketing and help people. Again, as I said, you embody you know the whole philosophy is a, of it's not about making a sale; it's about ma- making a relationship. And your whole marketing strategy and, and the stuff you do and the stuff you teach is all about how you how you do that type of marketing and and how it's because you know I look at it and again I'm in uh, somewhat the same thing. You are not marketing, but but I I don't have a product that I sell people. I sell people a service, and it is marketing for What we do and marketing for my listeners is way different than what you would do if you're marketing, you know, a gadget or or a product.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Getting somebody in your world, uh when you're a person is very different than getting somebody in your world because you're selling a trinket or a thing or something that solves a problem, whether it be a toy or something for plumbing, right? You, you can use that sense of, oh, I got your attention, then I got you to make the purchase and you're going to be happy because you're going to get it in the mail. Uh, the people will stick around uh, because of relationships. So why not start the whole journey because of a relationship. And and this is really important to me because of one of the most important relationships in my life. Saw a really big punch in the face when I was six, and my pops, he went to prison, right? All of a sudden, uh, you know, six-year-old boy, mentor, uh, gone, right? And to me, uh, to this day, I, I see my father as a mentor in my life. But when he was gone, Uh, That sense of I had a man in my life to listen to me or really at that point answer a lot of meaningless but meaningful questions, right? We look at that as dads now. I'm like, why are you asking? I get the most ridiculous questions from my youngest daughter. It's like, you know what? She probably, she has a neurodiversity going on. And so she's probably like, she's trying to figure out how to play by the rules, so to speak. How do I do this so I don't get yelled at? (laughs) Right. Right. But that sense of like being seen and heard so you can understand how to play the game is really important up until this day. And, And of course, when he came back, you know, there was that sense of building relationship. But something that happened is I found somebody who really intuitively listen to my experience, uh, as I came later in life, uh, in my twenties, uh, late twenties, I was in the mission field full time and, and my mentor, Mike Kim, that time put out a Facebook ad, right? Marketing for missionaries. And then I have a friend, you know, chirping over here. Oh, you got to meet Mike. And I'm like, why am I seeing this in two places? But from a Facebook ad, <laughs> Facebook. I found the world of marketing.
0: Yeah. yeah Facebook knows <laughs> you better than you know yourself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> terrifyingly. So, um, and uh, and then I just, you know, I took this guy's course, you know, $100. Okay, as a missionary, I can learn how to do this better. And, and what is marketing for a missionary? And, of course, Mike famously said, it's not about closing the deal. It's about opening a relationship, which is what fundraising is all about. Uh, and then after doing that course, I sort of jumped ship and went, this is a lot more interesting. And, and Mike became a mentor in a way that I finally had somebody in this world as a as you know, stepping from ministry into business, stepping into marketing, uh, serendipitously, you know, he'd gone through the similar experience. Maybe that's why I was attracted to him, but that relationship built never once have I felt Mike has sold me. Right. Because I just wanted to be closer to Mike and going from, you know, I want a mentor in my life to later in my years, finding an amazing mentor, Uh it came by relationship. It came by being seen and heard, and somebody really empathizing with my experience, because Mike too had gone from ministry full time to business to starting his own gig, and yeah. uh, and that relational bridge has been everything to me. I would say that 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 is the reason I stick around. It's the reason I have any desire to do anything continuing uh, to my own detriment, right? Oh, hey, you know, for an hour on the phone with you just to connect. Who cares if there's money involved? Now, obviously, transaction of service, it's like I've learned to have that right. boundary, but but it really is, I just absolutely treasure. And, and and I think even from a sense of empathy in the world, right, we all say marketing ruins everything. Well, then what if we frame marketing through the lens of relationship it doesn't have to ruin everything it can be marketing can lead to new relationships and so that's how i like to reframe the old idea of marketing because my background marketing was evil right ministry missions oh, marketers that oh, what an evil concept <laughs> um so <laughs> i've gone from a long journey of changing my mind about important things
0: yeah and a lot of people think of marketing as a dirty thing, as a sleazy thing. It's kind of like a used car salesman. You know, The last thing you want to be is a used car salesman. It gets that stigma. And for me, and I know a lot of the people listening right now, uh, they're going through the same thing. It is, I don't know if it's an art form or it's just so hard to be able to sell to somebody While building that relationship, I mean, to me, that is a true art form in how you do it. Because you know, I know Mike, I know you, I know, I know these. You know, you guys do these things, and to me, that that comes very hard for me. I'm a fact guy. You know, facts. It's like, give me the facts. Jing, jing, jing. Relationships, and and that to me, that's probably my biggest downfall, is not being able to do what you do.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's an art form. I I would, I would challenge you probably do what I do, but you have something going on in your head that says it is sleazy, because this journey, I had to really, I had to come to this place and it's part of my framework um, but but one of my experiences of learning like, oh, marketing and sales, or i.e. taking money right, in exchange uh, flipping that Came through a simple experience I had in Nepal. We were doing these leadership development programs, uh, and we did a free one. Uh, day, five days of activities, training. Oh, this is going to be great! We're going to train leaders in Nepal to really rise up and and uh, you know provide that that. Maxwell style leadership right Um, it's a very top-down society so Maxwell's ideas are real fresh there and uh so we come in free right free leadership get this amazing group of youth uh and all the way up to their 50s people show up I want to be a leader this is going to be interesting white faces right just just the novelty in and of itself free well second day Whole new group of people. Some of yesterday's people. Oh, we got to do day one all over again. Day three. Same problem. A few people from day one. A few people from day two. And a whole new group of people. We got to do day one over again. So guess who's not going to come? Everybody who's gotten day one right in this just goes all the way through the week uh, no value we just did day one five times in a row instead of getting five days of you know <laughs> content blocks building upon one another and so the next time we did it we decided to charge a really expensive, Ten dollars for the week. Now in Nepal, that actually is a little more expensive than the ten dollars to us, right? I'm like, man, a Lego set cost me twenty dollars, and there's hardly any pieces in there. But but that uh, that ten dollars is more significant in Nepal, especially out in the villages. But it's still not a a, a, an, a you know it's not a two thousand dollar course that you and I go and buy. Um, and the drastic change that we experienced from just charging ten dollars was people had commitment. We were empowering, we were really giving them the power because that choice to part with money, i.e. things we worked hard to get so we can exchange for something else, had a lot of power Um, and that created commitment and then now we were able to go, all right, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five uh, and not get these new groups of people showing up all the way through and, and shifting that mindset to oh I'm providing value because this is opening relationships so we can go somewhere together ie we can really push this movement of leadership from that sort of that bottom-up Maxwell approach right just massive change and uh, you're right shifting that and then really I think the other the shift I made was uh, you know you get all this marketing training he says I go hook them, right? You got to go hook them down. You got to hunt them down. You got to get them right in all these analogies. (laughs) All in well, the analogy kind of plays. I I think uh, sometimes we got to flip the script and think about the words we're using. And that's why I created my framework called the Listen Framework is really important, right? Coming from that background, father went to prison. I got a massive shift in everything, right? All this Money marketing mindset change came from meeting Mike and going, dude, your, your money mindset sucks. And, uh, and it's realizing, oh, marketing brought me here. Marketing's a good thing. Marketing brought me transformation. Marketing brought me to the place where I can think and grow rich. Marketing should be in language of leadership and relationship. And we just happen to apply... Because the end goal, we want to apply that goal of make money, make money, sell the thing, sell the thing, sell the thing, sell the thing. Well, if you're selling beard combs, heck yeah, just put it out there. I want to comb my beard. Sorry, uh, Sean, to, to, to poke your bare face there. But yeah. um, I'm not <laughs> wanting hobby. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is, right, that that's so different. And, and obviously... I mean, I know we're talking to a tribe of people who are thinking big because they want to have big impact and big impact comes from deep relationship.